mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Good morning, everybody, and welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We got a big one coming up next week, guys. Hope everybody had a great holiday week for yourselves as we got a good Christmas week coming up, Christmas Eve, tomorrow. Get all the kitties, got all the goodness under the tree. But as fight fans, we got ourselves a real treat coming up under the tree this coming Sunday, and that this coming Saturday, excuse me, and that is John Jones, Alexander Gustafsson, two. This is a, a rematch we've been waiting for for a very, very, very long time. And you know what the funny thing is, man? It's been 205 is such a strange division because you have maybe the greatest fighter of all time. I think the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, John Bones Jones being its champion. And the problem with that is the fact that he's been inactive because of drug tests, controversy outside the octagon that we haven't really gotten to see the rain, especially over the last four years. It's been so in and out, in and out. And the other problem is is that the guy who's behind him in Daniel Cormier was the champion when he was gone and beat everybody while he was gone, just never could beat him. So he never got the credit he really deserved until he won the heavyweight title this year. And so Alexander Gustafsson's really been number three. He's He's been the number three show pony the entire way. You know, you had your taste of Rumble Johnson, but it's kind of been that three-horse race. The problem is that Alexander hasn't really been in there to run the race. I mean, it's been a lot of inactivity from him. Um, he, he He couldn't beat DC, and so he's just been sitting idly by. DC didn't really want to fight him again because they didn't do great business the first time. And so we've just kind of been sitting here in no man's land. He's really only fought... Since losing his title shot to Daniel Cormier in 2015, he's only fought two times. Um, He's actually been out longer than John Jones. But this goes down. A lot of people look and say John Jones, the worst he's looked ever, was against Ovin St. Preux. And I think worst is is a pretty big overstatement because I guess it's the worst of being the best over the, uh, the entire span of his career. But for my money... The guy who's always made him look most vulnerable is Alexander Gustafsson. I'm not breaking any news there, but I just think people need to remember. This fight against John Jones, which was September 21st, 2013, UFC 165. And it was a crazy night because John Jones was just storming through the light heavyweight division. Nobody seemed like they could put any pushback on the guy. He he really was rolling through everybody. I mean, he had been through wins of Leota Machida, an all-time great, Rashad Evans, an all-time great, Vitor Belfort, crazy fight, all-time great, Chael Sonnen, big-time star. He was mauling through all the legends of the sport. And so we get to this fight against Alexander Gustafsson, a real contender, a guy who's his same size. One of the big things about John is that he had this incredible reach that nobody could deal with. And, and, and Alexander is about his same size. And he's not as, as crazy and versatile with the strikes, but that's an adjustment. You know, if we could swing it back to boxing, I think, in my opinion, one of the things that will be interesting 
in a rematch against Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury is having that data for Deontay going into another Fury fight of fighting a guy who was bigger than him. I think that was a huge, huge factor. Deontay will get will get mocked for his boxing and say he was exposed, but ultimately his plan is always to land that right hand on your chin and put you on your ass and put you out. A, a plan that he succeeded in twice. He did get Tyson Fury on the canvas. It just so happened it took him a little bit longer because this was a different type of opponent he was facing. Yes, a better guy, a more talented guy, but also a bigger guy, and I think that matters. And so with John, he's now in there. He's in there this time with Gustafsson after taking on guys in Lyoto, Rashad, Vitor, Chael. These are all guys he's got four inches on, a lot, a lot more, a lot more size. And so this fight against Alexander, I did think took some adjustment, but I didn't think there was any controversy with it. You know, I do think John won the fight, and I remember, I remember getting a chance to speak with him that Super Bowl. I got to speak with him at Radio Row. It was about four months afterwards. And I, I didn't think there was any controversy with it. You know, there's a couple of things I thought Gus did wrong. One, he kept he does this thing where he when he wants to get out of range, he just turns his back and runs. Basically. It's not it's not running away, but it looks like running away. That's how he resets. And so I think that probably took away something in the judge's eye. And and also, I do think there was a bit of, you know, people saying, oh, that you got to take it from the champ. I don't really think he took it from the champ, that fight. Um, the other thing that, that I, I want John to probably stay away from in the lead-up to this fight, and he's, he's done it a little bit, I think it's okay to say, hey, this guy, this guy was a good opponent. I give props that this guy gave me my biggest test, because he did. You know, John likes to dismiss it and say, well, I was coked out of my mind. I didn't train very hard. I, I dismissed Alexander Gustafsson. A lot of people did. Nobody thought Gustafsson was going to give him this kind of a pushback in that fight. You know, he he came into this guy in, into this fight, and you know, he lost to Phil Davis. He was kind of a decision machine. Nobody nobody really was was looking at this as a potential threat, but he really was, and he came in there with probably the best hands that John had ever faced before, as far as boxing skills are concerned. The only guy you could really probably put up there is Rashad Evans. But again, the range. The range is a big thing. We've seen with DC. DC has had success against John Jones and getting to his chin. But he has to go through the wood chipper so hard and, and deal with the risk of getting head kicked that it's it, it's tough to last that for five rounds and not not get your, your, your head kicked off. So I guess the, the thing that's going to be interesting about this fight is... Does Alexander have something in his bag of tricks where he could finish John Jones? Because I have a hard time believing. I think a lot of people have a hard time believing he can go win a decision against John Jones over five rounds. I just think that the idea that you're going to go take three out of five from him is a tough sell for me. It's a tough sell. Now, he won two. He won two very clearly. You know, we went into that third round with 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 John and a lot of people thought that he needed to start picking things up, that that he needed to go out there and win all five rounds. Now, one judge gave him 4-1, but I, I know in my opinion, I remember that night very well, that he needed to go in there and he needed to win all three to keep it going. He won three very clearly, thought he won four, four was his best round, and then and then five throwing it all out there, I thought just John brought it forward a little bit more. And it was just so gutsy. It was great to see that performance. 
I think probably what happened is people looked upon that first round and they're like, ah, what are we really seeing here? But but with John looking at this this fight against Alexander, this is a fight where I think he could do a couple of things. One, that he could prove that it was a fluke, that that was Alexander's best night. And in a lot of ways, it was Alexander's best night. We have not seen him be that good in any kind of capacity since that night against John Jones. Maybe John Jones is tailor-made for him. But I, I do think we should warn the idea that things are going to change that drastically. I don't think John should go in this and think he's going to blow him out of the water. I think this could be a very, very closely contested fight. You know, the question is, John Jones, who's had a lot of title defenses, who is one of the best to ever do it, is going in there with a guy who, you know, has been third has been third in a division that's not the deepest for a long, long time. And so when you're going into this matchup, you say, all chips on the table, who's going to pull it out? John's been the one to pull it out. He has been. You know, in Gus's career, he's had huge fights with Rumble Johnson in Sweden, got knocked out. Huge fight with John Jones, couldn't pull it out. Huge fight with Daniel Cormier, couldn't pull it out. Close, but just not quite. And so, is it in him to finally get that big, big matchup here where he can really pull out and have that signature win? If he wins, I mean, you're talking about an absolute legacy changer for him because people are going to go back and say, this is the guy who really, really gave it to the best to maybe ever do it. And maybe it's a size, you could go, maybe it's a size thing. Maybe it's a question of, of uh, maybe it's just a question of he he finally has the measurements to do it, but he's not as good. Whatever. I mean, if you do it, you do it. Tyson Fury can go lull Vladimir Klitschko to death and make him not throw punches. You win the belt, you win the belt. But this thing with John Jones, this first this first matchup, it really was the most vulnerable we ever looked. He really ever looked. And people could say, oh well, Ovin say Peru, that's the worst he's ever looked. Worst he's ever looked because probably it was the most boring John Jones fight you've ever seen. That's 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 what that means. You went in there and you're like, ugh. He didn't clean up at Ovin St. Pru. He didn't break his own with a leg kick and he won every single round and every facet of the every facet of the fight. But it wasn't it was not the dynamic John Jones that we've come to know. This fight against Alexander was it, it, it was a champion. This this is the moment of his career. There's two that really stand out that everybody goes to with John. It was this fight against Alexander having to dig down and go get the decision, and it was the Vitor Belfort moment where he had to he had to get a, a, a basically a pit bull off a pork chop when when Vitor had a grab of his arm, TRT'd out of his mind. So th- those are the moments we're going to look to as John Jones' real champion like moments of 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 what really showed that he had the fortitude that he that he could get through the fire, that he could get through the pushback. This really was it. It was it was it was absolute masterful. Now, I'm of the mindset that he has this data in him. He's seen everything that Alexander can bring to the table. That he he has been at the worst moment of this fight, and he was able to pull it out. And there's just I think something about going that distance. We just saw this with Kevin Lee and Ally Quinta. And I thought Al was saying some interesting things on the Hawani show. He's like, man, I looked at him across the the ring in that. At that fifth round, I was like, I, this is the same guy from four years ago. And I just think that when push comes to shove, you know, Gus is going to maybe bring it to the table with his striking. I don't know if, if John's boxing is going to get that much better over five years with inactivity here and out. 
So I think I think Gus will have his moments, but I think over five rounds, John's too good. He's got too many weapons. He's too well rounded that he's not going to find a way to win three out of five. He's not going to find a way to win three out of five. Um, and I think we're if if John Jones looks like he slowed down that much, then I think that we're just going to have to say that having all this time off has finally caught up with him. It's uh, it's a real question. The the other thing that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting with this is obviously what is John gonna look like training wise in this? Because I don't put I, I look, the steroid thing doesn't bother me. I'm a person who doesn't demonize performance enhancing drug use the way people do because they put it all under the same umbrella. I don't like the fact that John on this press tour keeps saying the stupid line of uh, pinch of salt in the Olympic size pool. Because it's just kind of like at this point, look, I think that I've gone through the pro. He's gone through the process. He's been punished. He's been he's been out of the ring. There's no lifetime ban here. And so from my standpoint, I look at this and I say, all right, what is he going to look like? Is he going to be extra cautious? Is he going to go au natural? Are there going to be any supplements? Is there going to be anything that goes through this camp? Um, but this fight, this fight really is a huge one for him because – it really sets up what's going to be the rest of this year. Is he going to sit there? Is he going to continue to to reign at 205? Is he going to get his fight with DC? The thing that's interesting about the DC rivalry, Daniel Cormier was named ESPN Fighter of the Year earlier this week. And it seemed like John was saying these things, like, I'm ready to move on from that rivalry, which I was kind of excited about because I'm not, I'm not very interested – and seeing it again, especially at 205. But it, it's crazy. Because so John tweets this out. He tweets out his quote, pinch of salt, no pinch of salt. You still had steroids in your system in a fist fight. Not cool. That's what he's quoting Daniel Cormier. Then John goes on to say, daddy's baby still out there whining. What proud double champion just vacates his belt because someone else returns to the sport. Fight me one more time and prove you're actually the champ champ. I'll donate $100,000 to the charity in San Diego if you accept. Conor McGregor was the actual double champ, and the whole world knows your claim is a freaking joke. You're more than welcome to be my first title defense. So, John's saying come down to 205 and make the fight. And I think everybody really wants to see this fight. They want to see it at heavyweight. So, I think that's interesting from John. John is not saying that he wants to do this fight at heavyweight. I don't know how this fight – these guys always do good business. There's a rivalry there. People are attracted to it. It's like it's like Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez that I feel like John's always just going to have the, the, the step on DC. Now, maybe DC will get his Juan Manuel Marquez moment one day and just flatline John Jones. Maybe that could happen. He could steep him. I don't know. But if the interest is there, the interest is there at heavyweight, isn't it? I think most fans would say that. If, if we want to, see, if we're going to see this fight again, let's see it at heavyweight, not two hundred five, because we want to see if we want to talk ourselves into saying DC has a chance. But to John's point, the real the real proving that DC would want to do, or should want to do, if he if he wants to waltz around there with two belts, is beat him at two hundred five, beat him where he's best, beat him where John feels most confident. But the other thing about that is, I you know. What does DC have to prove? You know, DC DC goes out there and he beats John Jones. Okay, it's 2-1. I 
I guess one, one, and one because it's a no contest, one of them. But, you know, from this standpoint, we go out there and we look at, we, we, we look at this, this all-time rivalry and it's like, Hey, for right now, why don't you guys just, you, you've, you've both got something huge on uh, ahead right now. And, and John talking about the DC matchup and overlooking what Alexander Gustafsson do. It's a bit bothersome or worrisome. I think if you're a John Bones Jones fan and I think he's going to get the win. I think it's, I think it's, it, it's one of those things where I think he'll get the decision. Um, because he's just that good. He really is. He's just that talented. If Gus wins, I mean, look, we, Gus hasn't been active either. I think if we got this idea that there's a new Gustafson out there, it's not getting better by not doing it. He's been more inactive than John has. He, the last time we saw him, he had this Mortal Kombat Street Fighter uppercut finishing move against Glover Teixeira. It was a long time ago, though, hombre. So I'm going to go. My pick is going to be John Jones getting his title back. But I don't know if I want to see him take on DC, man. I want at, at light heavyweight. I'm 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 more intrigued by them doing something, adding some new wrinkle to it. We'll come back with more Fighters Fury after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM seven ninety the ticket. Welcome back, Fighters Fury here on seven ninety the ticket. Brendan Tobin here with you as we are do- looking a little bit at UFC 232, which is coming up next week. And this has got another big championship matchup. We got Chris Cyborg taking on Amanda Nunes for the featherweight championship of the world. Of course, Amanda is the reigning, defending women's bantamweight champion. She trains here at American Top Team, while Chris Cyborg uh, is really looking for that one landmark win for her career. Um, there's been... There's been a couple of big ones. I thought that the the Holly Holm performance was definitely a uh, was definitely a good performance from Holly. I mean, from from Holly and from from Chris Cyborg. They put on a good fight there. Uh, it was the person who really showed the most pushback we've ever seen Holly take. But Holly also took a beating in that fight. Yana uh, Kunitskaya, you know, beat the hell out of her. Beating Tanya Evinger for the belt, nothing special. I mean, beating Amanda Nunes for Cyborg would be huge. I mean, Amanda has, she's got everybody up there. She's beaten Valentina, who's now a champion. She's beaten Ronda Rousey, the face of women's mixed martial arts. She's beaten Misha Tate, you could say is is women's mixed martial arts royalty as well. Um, you know, the Rocky Pennington fight. Rocky Pennington's about as solid as it gets. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that as the on the highlight reel of the resume as far as like biggest names you ever taken out but took it out nonetheless and so um this matchup is very interesting because Amanda's been very open about what a challenge this is that she's wanted the time to get ready and and, and you know Chris has put it in the realms of you know you can't beat me look at all the time you need to get ready but it is true like you're going in there with an absolute with an absolute killer in Chris Cyborg, who who is, you know, we could definitely say the scariest woman to ever step inside the octagon. And this matchup with Amanda, who's pretty much wiped out all of the bantamweight, she's stepping up in this huge, huge challenge just to beat Cyborg. You know, the longest for the longest time, we wanted Ronda Rousey versus Chris Cyborg, and Ronda was always on on the 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 kick of. I'm the champion, you come see me. And now Amanda has a chance to be the first women's double champion of all time. 
even in a division of featherweight, which isn't really a division. They don't really have other women's featherweights that fight. But look, if you're going to go up there and you're going to beat one of the baddest women of all time and she's got gold, bet your ass I'm going to call myself the double champ if you're Amanda Nunes. The question has to become, how does she win the fight? You know, can can she knock Chris Cyborg out? Can she be faster than her? Can she beat her to the punch? Um, we've seen in past, we've seen Amanda be able to, we've seen her be able to really butcher up some faces and, and beat some women, but they were at her own weight class. And with Valentina, Valentina's probably a, a naturally smaller woman with Misha Tate. Misha Tate's never going to have the, the striking that a Chris Cyborg has. Um, she's going to bludgeon her. So who can we look to on a resume and say, this is, this is something comparable. The best you probably could say is she's, is Kat Singano and she lost to her way back in 2014. But you know, the wins over her, a lot of them are, are grapplers first. Misha, Sarah McMahon, Ronda Rousey. The best striker on there is definitely Valentina Shevchenko. But again, I don't know how that's going to translate to, to Chris Cyborg. And then you look to Chris you know, her just getting to fight Holly Holm uh, feels like it prepares her more recently for somebody of a striking standpoint. And there's not many that people that, that, that Chris has to go up against to really prove how great she is at striking. I guess the thing is going to really, it's really going to be determined. This This is what's tough for you. It's tough to know what to expect from these women until the first punch is thrown and landed and and how that's taken and what is it going to be like because i will say you know we, we you know i could i could i could scoff at all the the quote-unquote strikers that amanda's fought but as far as devastating punchers i don't know if you look over chris's recent resume and say there really is anybody that can that can that can hang with Amanda. I mean, these really do feel like the two best women on the planet, um, outside of Valentina Shevchenko, who's you know if we're gonna go to the lower rung, I mean, it's almost like the 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 women should be one twenty five one fifteeners and one thirty five one forty one thirty five one forty fivers, and we don't really know any other one forty fivers. It's it, it's so unknown to us. It's just Chris Cyborg is this attraction. People want to watch her fight. And they want to have a belt around her waist, but I'm, I'm not, and I'm not denying the greatness. It just is what it is. There, like they had such a weird relationship where they begin with, of, you know, how are we gonna promote her? You know, she had a longstanding beef with Ronda, who is obviously the face of women's mixed martial arts, and and consequently at one point the face of the UFC. So. It, it's been this weird dance to to get her to some kind of relevance. I I I really am curious to see you know a win like this. What does it do for her legacy? Definitely the best win of her career, I think, because I think in long in in the long run, Amanda is going to be known as the woman who has the better mixed martial arts career than Holly Holm is. Holly Holm's got the all time moment because Holly Holm. Knocked out Ronda Rousey when everybody thought she was Mike Tyson, that she was the baddest woman on on the planet, walking on two legs in an octagon. And she knocked her out. Amanda feels like she she got to pick the bones a little bit. You know, I'm not saying that she I'm not saying that she wouldn't have done it to Ronda in her prime um when Ronda was still rolling through people, but it felt like she beat a shell of a fighter. 
a fighter that didn't really prepare, that was just walking in there for the wrong reasons, took a first crack and it was over, crumbled. Um, but that's not to say that she hasn't put up other good things on her resume for this fight. So I'm going to go with Chris Cyborg. I, I, I don't have the guts or the path for Amanda. It's not to say that she can't. I just don't know how she's going to do it. I don't know. I, 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 I can't sit here on the show and look at you and tell you all that I know what her path to victory is because every time we see Cyborg out there striking, it's so diabolical. Now, could we say that she's gotten strong enough? We haven't really ever seen Chris's grappling tested. Could we see in a, in a position where Amanda gets her in a good position, takes her down, takes her back, gets on her neck, something like that? If it's possible. That's always That was always the theory with Ronda. Like, if you're going to go beat Chris, take her down, throw her down. Throw, but, you know, Chris is an um, absolute monster on the ground as well. Um, And so when those two rough and tumble, I mean, we were really going to say that Amanda's got the strength to go take her down? I don't know. I don't know. That's what's going to have to be determined in these, in these upcoming matches. That's what's going to have to be determined. We're going to know soon. It's not going to be something that I think is going to be kept secret from us for a while. But... I just think that she's uh, she's going on there. She's going in there, and it feels like feels like a mako shark going almost up against a great white shark. They're both sharks. They're both dangerous. They're both scary, but one's just a cut above the food chain. So I'm going with Chris Cyborg to win that fight. Other good fights on there, man. Carlos Condit. He is uh, he is back. He is taking on Michael Chiesa, who is going up to welterweight. I'm interested to see what Chiesa brings to the table. Um, Obviously had the whole thing that went down with um, had the whole thing that went down with the Connor incident where he got the glass in his head, and his last fight was a loss to Anthony Pettis. It was the uh, best Anthony Pettis has looked in a while, and Kiesa missed weight for that fight, so it wasn't looking his best. But this will be interesting because his last two fights he's gotten beaten by. Guys who have good submissions. Carlos Condit, he's a brawler. And both of these guys, this is what you would say, like the old, how do I want to say this? It's kind of like the crossroads fight on this card. It really is. Because Carlos Condit's lost four straight. He's had a retirement in the midst of that. Uh, Lost a razor. You know, it's so funny how these things swing because... His fight against Robbie Lawler, it was a razor, 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 razor thin loss for the welterweight championship of the world. It was an amazing fight, and Robbie just squeaked it out against Carlos Condit. How did things change if he did, if he if he wins that fight? This fight against Michael, you know, it'll be interesting because you know Michael does go get a lot of submission wins. He does go find his way on the ground. Um, if he doesn't get pieced up, can he get can he get Carlos Condit to the ground? We've seen Carlos Condit recently. If he gets taken to the ground, there's there's ways to go beat him. So this will be interesting because Michael Yes has got that new car smell. He's going to the new weight class. Carlos Condit is old guard. I don't really know where his path to the championship is. If Michael Kiesa wins, I think that um, you're looking at a guy who can still do some things here. Carlos, it feels like it's going to take a little bit to really get back in there. Interesting women's fight on the undercard, too. Yeah, Kat Singano against Megan Harrison, two absolute giants. Um, Megan didn't have the debut I think everybody thought she was going to get when she took on Holly Holm. People 
for the longest were excited about Megan Anderson, the former Invicta featherweight champion, and you know, didn't really bring a lot to the table that first matchup. Disappointing debut for her for uh, for a woman who was hyped up a lot. So this is a good bounce back for her. She's taking on an absolute monster in Katzengano, who I believe is also looking to to get off. Now, she did win her last one. She won in July. Before that, she lost to uh, to uh, to Ketlin Vieira. But, you know, Katzengano, who I thought at one point was going to get a shot for the title back in the day. Now she's uh, she's still looking for that comeback trail, but that'll be interesting as well. And then, of course, you got BJ Penn. He's going to be fighting against Ryan Hall. And I got to think this is BJ's last stand. I don't know if he's announced this is his last fight or, or, or not. But this upcoming fight against Ryan Hall is... It's the last stand for this. Because Ryan is not going to go in there and throw any punches. So you know he's just going to go in there looking for that for that heel hook submission win and just find a way to to make guys uncomfortable everybody just looks for that 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 really really that that place where they don't get they don't get picked apart by him and don't get into some kind of dumb submission um but the good thing for him is in this case is is BJ doesn't have to worry about getting pieced up and getting hurt on the feet you know, and the last guys that he's faced, Dennis Seaver losing a majority of the decision to him, that's rough. You know, nobody's looking at Dennis Seaver as uh, anything uh, of 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 UFC stature. You know, he's he's kind of looked at him as just as just a guy in the UFC. Yair Rodriguez, it was an absolute devastating loss. Frankie Edgar, devastating loss. Roy McDonald got him. Nick Diaz got him. So. You know, this is this is a chance for BJ to 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 really this if he doesn't beat Ryan Hall um, without the danger of getting knocked out, I don't know where I don't know where BJ goes goes and gets a win, but I'm gonna watch nonetheless. You pay respect to the legend, the prodigy. You gotta go see it. So that's our preview, man. That's our preview of UFC 132. We come back. Very excited to be joined by our next guest. Adrian the Problem Broner, AB, about billions. He is going to be fighting Manny Pacquiao. He was down here this week in Miami uh, training or doing his media day rounds, and we got a chance to talk to him. We got a chance to talk to Adrian the Problem Broner. He has been training in West Palm Beach with Kevin Cunningham. It's his second camp go around with him. So we will talk to Adrian the Problem Broner when we come back on Fudders Fury after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. It's Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. And very excited. We're going to be going out to the guest line in just a second to our compadre down here in South Florida, Adrian the Problem Broner. He is going to be fighting Manny Pacquiao coming up on January 19th, uh, which is very exciting. And Adrian's been doing training in West Palm Beach. He's been training with Kevin Cunningham. Uh, it's it's a camp where there's been Erickson Lubin, Erickson the Hammer Lubin, uh, with a Jack and Sledge. That's a that's a cool nickname, man. It's cool. It's a cool nickname. It's cool to name your fists. So shout out to Erickson Lubin uh, as he looks to make his as uh, he he looks to continue to come back from that from that Charlo loss a little bit ago. But I, I, he's so talented. I think he's going to be. Absolutely fantastic. This is a fascinating fight for a couple of reasons because 
Adrian Broner against Manny Pacquiao. You have a guy in Adrian Broner who you're talking about one of the best, the biggest draws in boxing. You know, people want to know what Adrian Broner is going to do next, say next, look like next. He had such a quick uh, meteoric rise to this point in his career, and people have been fascinated. He's got a big social media touch. He was made popular through World Star Hip Hop as well. So people care about Adrian Broner, but you know it's 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 no secret that he's had uh, he's had stuff that has plagued him outside the ring and inside the ring. You know, there's been I think a lot of people in his head as far as what kind of fighter he should be. Um, people said he was going to be the next Mayweather, and he got very uh, defensive minded and got very hard to hit. But people were always saying like, "Well, where's where's AB? Where's the guy who drops that 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 bomb on people that he did coming up?" So. This fight against Manny Pacquiao is a real career swing because even though Adrian's been in our mind for a long time, he uh, he's only 29 years old. So if he gets this win against Pacquiao, it could set things up for a little bit for him. So let's uh, let's go talk to Adrian, the problem broner. He joins us on the Ryan Fuels and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. Truly steps beyond convenient. There is Adrian Broner, who was down in Miami this week for Media Day as he's getting ready for his showdown with the all-time great Manny Pacquiao. Adrian, the problem boner, A.B., he is down here in South Florida. He's heading down to a workout down in Miami, but he's been trained down here in South Florida up in West Palm Beach with Kevin Cunningham. Adrian, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. What's going on? It's all good, man. It's all good. So how has camp been going, uh, living life down here in South Florida with uh, with Kevin Cunningham again? You you joined up with him a little bit last year. How has it been going this time around? It's been going great, man. We've been working our ass off and uh... – yeah, and we've been having a very strict camp, straight work, no play. He's very big on the social media, so you, you've been getting a lot of peeks into how hard you've been working. Uh, what in particular this time around have you thought have been uh, particularly stressful about this camp? Um, you know, sometimes it gets stressful, but, you know, hard work hurts, man. I was told if it ain't hard work, it ain't work. So you're getting ready for Manny Pacquiao. You're fighting him on January 19th on pay-per-view. And you've said that this is a game changer. You realize what's at stake here for for your career, as far as what it would mean to be a, a guy of his stature. Has it has it? Have you felt it weigh on you more in camp, or has it been business as usual? It, of course, it's business. You know, uh, I was always taught, you know, make your next move your best move. Right now, I, I had to stop playing checkers, and now I'm playing, playing chess. When you're preparing for a guy like this, a guy who's a storm like that, brings a lot of offense, uh, what do you do to start breaking that down? Do you worry about you? Do you look a lot of it at his old footage? Do you look at more recent footage? How do you get ready for a guy like Manny Pacquiao? I just focus on AB, man. As long as I be AB, I'll be all right. Don't get me wrong. Manny's a hell of a fighter. He's a spectacular fighter. He's special. But, you know, uh, if Adrian Brown is 100%, nobody would be we're talking to Adrian Broner. He's going to be fighting Manny Pacquiao coming up. So what's uh, what's South Florida living been like for you, man? How do you like living down here uh, as far as a community and all that's concerned? I love it, man. You know, uh, it, it, it welcomed me in with open arms, and uh, I love being down here. I can go swimming on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, people got to be jealous about it. Is, it. is it hard training around the holidays, Adrian? Like, you know, that's normally a time where everybody's relaxing and you, you're, you're talking about family, and I got to imagine that's got to be hard because, you know, you got a big thing to focus on. Uh, yeah. It's not hard, man. You know, uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep my eyes on the prize, man. I, I'm looking at the bigger picture. And what do you think, Adrian? Like when you picture this fight and, and and things that you can bring to the table, what do you picture that is going to be the uh, the road to success for you? Yeah, I bring everything to the table. I bring everything to the table. Man. It's just not a particular thing. I bring everything to the table. 
in this fight. I sell the fight. For real, I am the fight. Don't get me wrong, Manny Pacquiao got the name, but I am the fight. And everybody wants to tune into you, Adrian. Like that's always been a thing, no matter what, no matter you know what people may say about your career. Like people, people are always interested in Adrian Broner, no matter what. When did you start noticing that that people just just care about watching you? That it, that the eyeballs are always on you as the show. When I was a kid, you know, uh, when I used to fight in um, amateur tournaments, anytime I fought, or me and my well, you know, I got a twin brother, so. Anytime we fought, the whole tournament ran so to the ring that we were fighting. In. So I always attracted a crowd. And the people say when you were when you were getting ready, like not only were damn, like this guy's a good fighter, but what a personality on him. Or, or did you feel like I need to I need to play it up a little for the cameras? Like is that is that true, Adrian Brono? Always getting, or do you do you like to turn on turn it on because you know that that gets eyeballs? Man, it ain't no switch, man. This is just me. You know, a lot of people would be like. It's an on and off. It ain't no on and off. It's just me. To the good times, to the bad times, it's just me. Do you like the fact, like, when, when you can get a crowd, get a reaction, Adrian? Like, because, you know, some people would say, like, getting booed, it's it's a it's a thing that uh, can be it can be stressful, but you seem to almost embrace it. Like, as long as people care about watching you, uh, that's got to be something that's, 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 in a way, twistedly can feel good because you know – you're not one of these these fighters that is just whatever. Like past when when Adrian Broner's in a ring, not only are you going to get to see what he brings to the table from a skill set, but I got to see what the results are. I got to see what Adrian's going to say. All that stuff. I ain't worrying about it, man. If you, if everybody rooting for you, man, you know it's a lie. Cause somebody got to dislike you. So you know, it come with the territory, man. I'll be cool. How do you feel from your, from your standpoint, Adrian? Because you've been in the game for so long. Like it, it feels like we've had eyeballs on you. Uh, you know, since you were a teenager, but I mean, you're only 29 years old. So a win against Manny Pacquiao, it really can vault you into uh, a real, a real big way going into what's was essentially your prime, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I I know what's at stake. You know, uh, and I'm just I'm just staying focused. I'm not letting the fight, you know, get to my head or you know, outdo me. You know, I'm just staying focused, making sure I'm prepared. January nineteenth, man, it's gonna be a hell of a night. What was it like being around Manny? Uh, he's he's kind of always got that smile on him, and I, I imagine he's a he's a hard guy to to get a read on. But um, you know, watching the promos of it, he's he's talking a lot. Oh, Adrian, he's all talking all that stuff. But you seem pretty serious, knowing what what uh, what this means. Man, Manny knows. He knows. He knows. In, in January nineteenth, I'm gonna shock the world. January 19th is when it's going down live on pay-per-view. You got the all-access coming to down here in South Florida. We're rooting for you, that's for sure. Uh, all right, my man. That's our conversation with Adrian the Problem Broner. Here's the one thing I feel bad about with that. Um, I I really like. I really am rooting for Adrian Broner um, because I know what this win would mean for him. However... I'm not going to lie. He did catch me in some in a disingenuous moment. Like, I just was kind of caught up in the air. And he was saying, like, oh, are you rooting for me? And I'm like, yeah. And, and and really, in truth, if he wasn't fighting anybody else, I would be 100% rooting for him because I think that's a good story for him to go beat Pacquiao. Pacquiao has been one of my favorite boxers of all time. I mean, he's he's he is he is one of the guys that uh, really attracted me to the sport. So, if it was anybody else, I think I genuinely would be rooting for Adrian Broner. 
but he's fighting one of my favorite fighters of all time. Now, I did tell Adrian Broner I was rooting for him, even though he trains down because he trains down here in South Florida. That's true. I do like seeing guys who who make this their home, whether it's just in camp or or all the time. Uh, I do root for those guys. And man, he's Teflon at this point. I mean, he loses a fight to Adrian Broner. That's this is a much bigger fight for Adrian Broner than it is for Manny Pacquiao, and it's not even close. Man, he's fine. And the idea that, oh, this could lead to a Floyd Mayweather fight down the line, I don't think so. I, I think they both know what a toxic brand that is to bring up again, that fight fans won't dive into that and won't embrace that. So from my standpoint, um, yeah, from my standpoint, I think this is a huge, huge fight for Adrian Burnham. But he did he did catch me uh, being a little, a, little bit, a little bit phony there. I'm not going to lie. He did catch me. But I want him to do well. I, I really do. I'd like to see... If anything, I want to see Adrian put up a good showing. I want to see the flashes of old Adrian Broner uh, or or new Adrian Broner, somebody with a, with a new wrinkle. Um, this will be interesting to see. We'll definitely have more coverage of it as we get closer to the fight, but I appreciate him joining us, and we're looking forward to the matchup. Uh, everybody have a great rest of your week. Everybody have a very Merry Christmas. We will be back same time, same place next week. It'll be our last 9 a.m. showing for Fighters Fury as we'll go back to our old slot, 10 a.m., after the football season is officially over. Um, So everybody enjoy the fights this upcoming week. Again, we'll have a full recap of UFC 232 coming up next Sunday at 9 a.m. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Merry Christmas.